guys, this is Leva Bates. This is Rich Bokini. This is Steve Young. Teddy Stigma, the world's worst role model. E-F-F-Y-F-E. This is Holiday. This is El Serpentigo. The princess of pro wrestling, SoCalVal. And we are the Ugly Ducklings. And you are listening to the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, the whole Reffin Show. And now... The wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole refin show. Hello, hello, hello! Dear listeners, welcome to the whole refin show. It's the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, and you have tuned in, you have downloaded, perhaps you're streaming. But hopefully you've downloaded because you've already subscribed on iTunes to The Whole Reffin Show. You're listening to episode 110. 110 episodes! Can you believe it? No. (laughs) I I can't believe it either. Uh, Who who am I? Ah, well, of course, I'm Darren Beasley. And I am Perry Smith. That's right, so... We are your uh, your good buddies here in the world of wrestle news and wrestle views, and we're so glad that you joined us here on the whole Reffin show. We have uh, a lot to talk about today. Uh, not a lot of headlines, but uh, we are going to talk about the unfortunate passing of Larry Hennig. We also want to take a moment to look at WWE's upcoming TLC pay per view, and we're going to take a look back at last weekend's. Best Wrestling, Pickle in the Tree 3. And we have a, we have more than just a little bit to say about the Pickle in the Tree 3. That's right. we got a full-blown post-review for Fest Wrestling's Pickle in the Tree Not a post-Malone review. Not a post-Malone review. Not we, enough facial tattoos. Darren, uh, forgive me, hashtag dear listeners, uh, what the hell is post-Malone? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, are, are, are we talking about, like, like you know... The way Carl Malone is now, like, like, <laughs> is that what that is? Or, 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 the mailman, talk- the Utah or, Jazz mailman. Are we talking about the Utah Jazz now? As in post, yes, exactly. Malone? Are we talking about the state of the Utah Jazz, Darren? Is that what they're talking about when they say post Malone? It is. You know, oh, okay. as a matter of fact, it is. Uh, so that, yeah, Kansas. Uh, that's closed. Well, kids are very interested in, in the state of the Utah Jazz after Carl Malone's exodus from the team. They really are, but to be fair, I'm pretty curious about the the state of the Utah Jazz post Malone. Well, it's it's hip to be fair. Uh, we'll talk more about post <laughs> yeah. Malone after uh, after the episode. You and I will, Darren. But uh, first, we got to talk about them. Headlines! The whole reference show, unfortunately, must say goodbye to Larry the Axe Hennig, a man who has been a fixture in wrestling uh, forever, for half a century. Uh, Larry Hennig... can't, don't put it in those terms. I mean, it's accurate, but it makes people sound like they're ancient. Well, he kind of was. He lived a full life. This is one of those that... We're always sad to have to report on a death, but this is far from a tragedy. Uh, 82 years of age as of his passing. Uh, Larry the Axe Henning passed away after 
Um, I guess kidney failure is what they're talking about after a uh, a lengthy illness. He hasn't, to be fair, he has not looked well in a very long time. I don't know how many 80-something-year-olds look well, but no, no, he... He's... To be fair, when he was a 70-something, he didn't look well. Right, no, he's, he's always been a bigger guy. That's one thing I was going to say, too. Yeah, you're right. I mean, even even back in, like, the AWA days, he was still a big guy. Well, he's one of those that defies the, hey, you better lose some weight. You want to die of a heart attack at like, 45? Yeah, like, like uh, I think I think one of the best examples of that would be Charles Durning from uh, A Brother Art Thou, amongst many other things. Oh, oh also of Evening Shade. Right? Oh, You remember yes. that show? Also of... Uh, Burt Reynolds' TV show. Rescue Me. I believe he played uh, Dennis Leary's father in Rescue Me. He's a good father. He he is a really good father. He's he's a good he's a good Irish father. Um, he really is. But uh, no, he was a guy that was like he's still alive because he just always seemed to be uh, to, to be not very healthy. Sure. Well, Larry the Axe Hennig had been uh, was a big man. He he's a professional wrestler from the from the sixties uh, in the seventies. So of course he's going to be big. But he stayed big his whole life. Right. And uh, Charles Durning made it to 89. Wow. Just so you know. I did not realize he he had gotten that old. But but Larry the Axe, sad to see you go. The father, of course, of Kurt Hennig. Of course. And a lot of people people I think are confused right now and think that Mr. Perfect just passed away. Really? Yes. That's what I'm seeing in a lot of like message boards and stuff oh. like that. It's like, he was one of the greats, that perfect plague. And it's like, no, no, no. This perfect died a long time ago. That, that's that's Kurt Hennig. How is someone that's that familiar with Mr. Perfect's moveset is unaware of his decade if you, if you watched, plus ago death? If you watched wrestling uh, pretty hardcore in like the uh, early yes. 90s, I get that, sure. Yeah, maybe, but that's a little. That's well. That's surprising. actually always funny listening to people talk who like watched a little bit of wrestling, well, a little bit of WWF back in the day, and they're like, "Oh man, The Undertaker and Dusty Rhodes." <laughs> it's the people that they name randomly is kind of funny, like the model. Uh, it's just always interesting. I always, I always enjoy hearing people who know a little bit. Like, like I could basically you know pinpoint exactly at what point they were watching. Sure, and you know what's even funnier is uh, not not that I'm one upping you. <laughs> it's actually so I shouldn't say even funnier. It, it's just as funny is when exactly the time period for someone let's say Dusty Rhodes is a perfect example actually when that person whoever they may be is talking about wrestling whenever they're talking about Dusty Rhodes to figure out wit. When and where they were watching. Oh, right. Because they're like... Where Dusty Rhodes was. Yeah, we talk to... I mean, you talk to somebody who's like 60 years old now. Oh, they'll know. And they're talking about Dusty Rhodes. They're talking about, like, championship wrestling from Florida. Right, right, And he is killing people in the Tampa Bay area. Well, you say... I mean, you say Dusty Rhodes is a good example. Uh, If you recall, Darren, our interview with Dakota, where we're talking to Caden Green, he's like, yeah, Dusty Rhodes is doing this, and then we go to Ronnie Rios, and I was like, well, if you were a fan of Dusty Rhodes, that means Dusty Rhodes would have been latter days WCW, so he kind of was a barometer. There you go. It was perfect, actually. Uh, It was a very... I know I tend to say perfect things. Uh, No pun intended. We're talking about, you know... (laughs) Well, for those who may not be aware, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig, uh, passed away some time ago. He is the son of Larry the Axe Hennig. 
whose death we are uh, reporting on now. Now, of course, there's also the grandson of Larry the Axe Hennig, son of Mr. Perfect Kurt Hennig, and that is Joe Hennig, currently uh, wrestling for WWE under the name of Curtis Axel, one half of the B-team with uh, Bo Dallas. And uh, we have seen Curtis Axel in all sorts of different gimmicks. Uh, We actually saw him under the name Michael McGillicuddy during his NXT days. And uh, just make him Joe Hennig. Or just make him Curtis Hennig. When I hear McGillicuddy, I think of uh, Lucille Ball. Because that's Lu- that, that, that's Lucy's uh, uh, kayfabe <laughs> maiden name is McGillicuddy. Really? Yes. Wait, Lu- wait. Lucille Ball. Balls um, is a stage name. On on the Lucy show, her maiden name was McGillicuddy. Oh, on the show. On the show. Gotcha. Well, I I literally only think of Beulah McGillicuddy. Oh, there's that as well. Yeah, which sure. is of course the stage name of. Beulah McGillicuddy, of Tommy Dreamer's wife, of ECW fame. I don't know what her real name is. Right, well, if, I mean, obviously, folks, if you need me for bar trivia, if it comes down to uh, old TV shows, uh, wives' maiden names, you, you can count on me. Like, uh, Wilma Flintstone's uh, maiden name? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, I should know this one. You won't know this one. <laughs> because only I know this one. I should, though, but I don't, apparently. Her maiden name is Zygoople. What? Wilma Zygoople. See, that's not rock or dinosaur <laughs> I mean, Zygoople stone. There we go. <laughs> that's better. Because it's a... No, everybody has a... It has to be rock-related. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's the Flintstones. Well, sure. The Flintstones. <laughs> Barney Rubble. Hilarious. Right, right. Uh, we should do a whole episode about the Flintstones. Uh, oh, w- right now we're kind of in the middle of it. Uh, so would be great. Indeed, we say uh, to Larry the Axe Hennig, uh, so long and farewell. And, uh, Good night, and, sweet Axe. And thank you for the memories. And of course, uh, your son, Mr. Perfect as well. You're halfly responsible for that, indeed. Um, so uh, unfortunate, but uh, every everyone's time must come. And again, he lived to eighties is good, man. If I get to the eighties, I'll be okay with that. Oh yeah, I'll take. Oh no, I'm thinking about my own mortality, Darren. Change the subject. Change oh, the subject. Man. Welcome to my world. That's right. Speaking of uh, tragedy, uh, WWE TLC <laughs> is this Sunday. Uh, What's so tragic about that? Oh, it's gonna be tragic. Uh, TLC it could be good. We'll be coming to you live from San Jose. A.K.A. San Jose, uh, California. And uh, it promises to be a show. It does. Zygoople, you say. <laughs> Back to the Flintstones. I don't uh, want to talk about this story. Zygoople. 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 I don't even know what that's supposed to be other than silly. Right. So, uh, San Jose, California is going to play host to Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, which I guarantee we will see... Uh, a scant few of them as compared to what oh, we no. should. There's a lot of tables and ladders and chairs, Darren. Uh, admittedly, Darren and I have both uh, fallen a little bit behind in our WWE viewing folks, uh, so this will not be a traditional head-to-head. Head-to-head. Instead, we, I, I, will be, I will be 100% honest with you folks. I am legit reading this from Wikipedia because I don't know what the fuck is going on. So immerse some real life stuff in Fest Wrestling. I haven't had a chance to watch in a couple weeks. I'll catch up. And believe me, folks, we'll talk all about TLC because we're going to watch it. 
and uh, we'll give you our opinions on it as we always do. So, if you're gonna catch up, then I guess I'll muster. Oh, uh, we are the worst. Hey, did we mention Mayo Chup on the show yet? No. What's that? Uh, Heinz or Kraft? Probably Heinz. Someone has released Mayo Chup. I like the idea of that. It's I used to mix the two together. Sure. Well, all I can think of is the it's, it's Mr. Show. With the mayo stirred oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, mustard, mustard anise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good bit. <laughs> and then they take the two competing half and halves and they combine them so it's must mayo starred anise. <laughs> or it's mayo, mayo, must, yeah, must mayo starred anise. Right. Oh my god. I could watch it right now. In fact, we should, uh, we should we should stop this. Should go watch production. it and come back. Well, okay, we'll, we'll we'll wait until afterward. We'll, okay, we'll talk about fine. this very quickly. A rundown of the matches. Uh, the finals: the mixed match challenge, the fabulous truth, uh, our truth, and Carmella versus Mahalisha, the team of Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox. And wait, they, this is on the show. This is on TLC. This, I mean, it's a big deal only because you know the. the it's the finals of the mixed match. Oh, I agree it's a big deal. I can't believe they are acknowledging it as big enough a deal as to put it on pay-per-view. So good for them. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, it could because, be on the pre-show for all we know, Darren. But Well, it's better than just being on Facebook or wherever. It's where's Doesn't this air on Facebook? Well, the first, the first like one that? did... Uh, air on Facebook, but uh, don't, don't know. wear don't air anything exclusively on Facebook. <laughs> I think that's the whole point of it. Dude. The State of the Union address. Tune into Snapchat. <laughs> hey, it's only a matter of time before oh, that happens. Jared. Donald Trump is going to do it, isn't he? Uh, probably. Uh, we also have uh, Seth Rollins, who is the current Intercontinental Champion, taking on Dean Ambrose. Should be a decent match. You're actually using Dean Ambrose uh, in, a, in a new way, which is cool. You mean as to play the character Bane yes, from The yes, Dark Knight I, Rises? I, oh, okay. I, I think you're the first person to make that call. Um, <laughs> Braun Strowman taking on Baron Corbin in a tables, ladders, and chair match. There's your tables, ladders, and your chairs. Uh, apparently, if Strowman wins, he will receive a Universal Championship match at Royal Rumble. That he will lose. And Corbin will be stripped of all authoritative power. If Corbin wins, he will become the full-time general manager of Raw. Big bullshit. Uh, we got Ronda Rousey. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, I don't even know how to call that. I mean, I know we're not picking. We're not. We are not picking. I know, but I'm just... How long is Alexa Bliss supposed to be out for? Uh, too long. Because I'm thinking... This is where Alexa Bliss gets to become the GM, and you remove Corbin, and you give Strowman that shot at the Universal title, like I said, which he will lose. Anyway, very curious. I, I do want to see what happens here, and if Alexa Bliss ends up being the GM. Okay, fair enough. Uh, moving on, we got Raw Women's Champion Ronda Rousey taking on Nia Jax. I still say they should have fed Nia Jax to Ronda after she fucked up Becky Lynch, and that's uh, that, that should have been what happened uh, I'm still on the Ronda train. That is one thing I'm very excited about in the WWE. Oh, yeah, I'm all about it. I, I sincerely hope they're not going to do something stupid, like have uh, Jax go over on Ronda God, Rousey. God, please, no. I don't care who the fuck your cousin is. Ronda Rousey's a way bigger star than Nia Jax. And way more talented. Oh, there you go. Uh, WWE Championship match. Current champion Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles. So, this match will be on the pre-show. <laughs> oh, good. I like this. Because they I hate like the this. WWE Championship is the joke there, in case well, anyone's confused about I know, that. Well, I know it, mm-hmm. but 
I like heel Daniel Bryan. I, I, I want to see it get even nastier. Okay, well, we'll see what happens there. Uh, this match I'm actually looking forward to most out of all the matches. Triple Threat TLC match for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. Becky Lynch, current champion, taking on Charlotte Flair and Asuka. Basically, anyone can win this match and I'll be happy. I, w- I would love if Asuka snuck away with the belt. Because you don't really even need the belt and the Charlotte-Becky feud. And Asuka's kind of slide away with it and have it be champion for a little while. I would love that. Again, Asuka should have beat Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. I will always harp on that. I, yeah, you will. <laughs> and that's okay. Wow. wow. Uh, that's okay. Sorry man. if I get an opinion on my wrestling opinion podcast. I said Darren. it's okay. We're all entitled to one. So that's your one. So don't even think about having any more opinions. Okay. Now, I, uh, uh, my opinion for the minute, my, my this minute's opinion, is that I agree with you. All three of these women deserve to win this match, and I'll be happy regardless of the outcome. I'll be happiest, however, if it's Becky, because she is the man, and I am on board. I am on the Becky Lynch train. I'm also on the Ronda train now. It's amazing how I can ride two different trains. You are straddling these two trains. I hope they keep running parallel you know to what each I'm other starting, for a very I, I, long time. I'm starting to sound like Jim Ross, though, who now says WWE does not have a male talent good enough to main event WrestleMania. He is now saying that. That's mean. Which is his way of saying that, I guess that's his way of trying to cushion the blow that we are going to definitely have a female main event for WrestleMania 35, which, first of all, no duh, you should. Doesn't matter if it's the better match, it's the better match. Doesn't need cushioning. Should have happened already. It's probably going to happen in New York. So be it. I'm all for it. But Jim Ross just, uh, he likes to kick up a lot of dust. Well, maybe if they hire him fast enough, they'll have uh, Zack Sabre Jr. So we can call him Will Ospreay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Hashtag never forget. Jim Ross didn't call him anything. Following uh, following that, Finn Balor versus Drew McIntyre in a singles match. Ooh. Should be good. I mean, that that has the potential to be a very good match. Yeah, it does. I'd like to just watch it. Yeah. Um, uh, following that, uh, a ladder match. <laughs> Guitar will be suspended above the ring, and the first to retrieve it can use it as a weapon. Does that mean that if the person retrieves it, drops it, the other guy can't touch it? Uh, Elias versus Bobby Lashley. I no, uh, I don't care. They got to figure out something to do with both those guys that don't involve those guys fighting each other. That I don't. That's not interesting at all. Um, and that's all we're gonna say about that. We're gonna move on uh, into a triple threat tag team match for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championship. The Bar, Cesaro and Sheamus versus the New Day, Big E, Kofi Kingston, and or Xavier Woods versus the Usos, Jimmy and Jay Uso. Uh, <laughs> I'm so tired of seeing these guys fight for the SmackDown Championship. The thing is, these are all super talented tag teams. But we've seen this. This is this is akin to like the two years where every main event for a WWF show was some combination of Mankind, Stone Cold, The the Rock, Can, Undertaker yeah. fighting each other. It's like, okay, what else you got? Okay, what else you got? Like, th- this is this is a little too much for me to take. Well, this is an example of what happens when you have a brand split that goes on for a very long time. You can't maintain enormous rosters because people get fired, people retire, people get injured. And when you have a brand split, a strict brand split where they do not cross over... 
You cannot keep the matchups fresh. You can't do it. You have plenty of people under contract to the whole company to do it, but when you only have three or four teams on one brand, that tag team division is going to be garbage, even if each team all by themselves are incredibly talented. Right. If the matchups aren't fresh, the whole thing goes to hell. I agree completely, Darren. There, there's your one opinion. No more. Thank uh, you. <laughs> uh, tables match between uh, two ladies, Natalia taking on Ruby Riot. <laughs> oh, God. I, you know, I don't understand Vince's obsession with bringing up the recently dead. Yes, I was wondering if had you seen enough to know that happened. I did see enough so to know that Ruby that happened. Ruby Riot is basically making fun of the fact that Jim Neidhart passed away. And is that I didn't I didn't like that when Paul Bearer died and they used him in the CM Punk Undertaker stuff. I no don't don't you dare. Oh, I am. don't Here you I dare, go. sir. I hate when he does it because well, you know what? I loved when he did it. He did it with. The characters who play dead people. Paul Bearer isn't dead. He's a Paul Bearer. That's the joke, Darren. He looked dead. Oh, my God. He looked dead. Okay. And actually, in kayfabe, he was dead. He was dead already. Edge had killed him. For... He was already dead. <laughs> twice. For go, for go this, we're talking about Jim Neidhart, who was a, he was a terrestrial being, right? Uh, and he's no longer with us. He's just a he's just a guy, and yeah, they're disrespectful to. I know it's like, oh, wrestling is his life. Jim would have been okay with it. It's like, no, don't fucking do it. Actually, he probably would have, but still, don't do it. There are a thousand ways for Ruby Riot to get over the fact that she's a heel, and God, it's so hard to get people to give a shit about Natalia anymore. No one's saying that she's a she's not a great wrestler. She's a very good wrestler. She's got that heart pedigree, and she she can go, man. As a character, though, she has been interesting for a very long time. Nah. And she flip-flops good guy, bad guy, like, every other week, so it's hard to even know what page Natalia's on. Um, I'm well, like, I mean, I, 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 we're not picking, but I'd like to see Ruby Riot go over on Natalia. Well, of course. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd like to see her, I'd like to see the whole Riot Squad being baby faces. Because they're cheered like baby faces. People like them. People like them. So Vince must hate them. God. Cruiserweight Championship title uh, up for grabs. Buddy Murphy is the current champion taking on Cedric Alexander, which this is, is a, a long rematch. Card. Oh, wait, 12 matches according to this. Wow. Uh, it is a rematch, of course. Uh, the first one was good. <laughs> so I'm sure the second one will be just as good. Like I said, it's hard to have a, a, a bad Cruiserweight match because it is. all those guys... To the kickies and flippies that we love. This will be a great match. This will be a great match. But I this wonder will probably how be far on the down the card. Exactly. It, it'll, it'll Here's be. your pre-show match. Which, I mean, if, if Buddy Murphy just retains the belt, then that's kind of that's kind of fine. Only because, you know, it is what it is. So, there you are. There you have it. Um, Ray Mysterio Jr. versus Randy Orton. <laughs> Blandy Orton uh, in a chairs match. That's going down. TLC. So, like I said, Darren... You thought there'd be a, a very little TLC, but oh no, they're 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 chasing waterfalls. <laughs> Damn it! I promised myself I wasn't gonna make a, a T Boz left eye and chili reference. And well, I, I don't want no scrubs, but I do want <laughs> tables, ladders, and chairs. Right. And uh, and I and that's that is the extent of my uh, TLC knowledge. So uh, that's good. That's good. You made one reference. I made the other one. Well, Darren, you're acting like a real creep. Right. Oh, I know, I did know that uh, one too. Okay, okay. Damn it! There we go. Uh, so R.I.P. Uh, 
Left eye. This is a match, and I care very little about either one of these guys. So, that's it! <laughs> that's the main event? No, no, no. I, just, I read in the order that we Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. So, of course, Brock Lesnar's not there, because... They've they've buried their universal title Darren, back on a part timer again. Is, is that is that even worth bringing up anymore? See again, I've I've taken so so much uh, 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 whatever Prozac that I have that nothing bothers me anymore in WWE because I've been so upset with them for, ever since this podcast started. And I had to pay really close attention. You've taken whatever Prozac you have. Well, whatever so that, that implies that you are not prescribed Prozac, no. But you somehow have accumulated <laughs> what, more than I one. Have. Just whatever I have, uh, leave it there. So basically, whatever happens happens. Uh, U.S. title not obviously being defended by Shinsuke Nakamura. Thanks a lot for not putting Shinsuke on the card. Uh, so whatever. I'm used to garbage. And, uh, all, all I can all I can hope for for TLC is just a couple of good matches. There, there are some some potentially good matches here. Again, the triple threat match for the women's title for the SmackDown title. Looking forward to that. Uh, McIntyre and Balor has some potential as well. That could be good. Even, that Rollins, could be real even good. Rollins Ambrose. I, I like the idea of them fighting each other. So I mean, there, there's there's some potential. It, man, I don't give a shit about Rey Mysterio and Randy Orton. Well, like, I don't give a shit about Randy Orton. That's the problem with that. I I don't get terribly excited about Mysterio anymore. But if you had a good matchup, I could get excited about it. Randy Orton kills that though, right? Because he is the he is. The most boring wrestler in the world. <laughs> that he's not a bad wrestler. Right. He's not a necessarily a dangerous wrestler. He's not a deal breaker. He's just boring. Right. I don't want to watch him anymore. I've been watching him for almost two decades. I know. No, get no. thee to a nunnery. Get thee to a nunnery. Uh, so yeah, that's your card for TLC. We'll check it out. We'll tell you all about it, and uh, you can compare your notes. Hashtag your listeners with ours. Uh, but speaking of wrestling shows, we saw a very, very good wrestling show this past weekend. Yeah, folks. we did. Yeah, we did. Fest Wrestling at it again. Third time returning to Kiri on the Drag. I'm kidding. Oh. I'm kidding. The third time, though, people going for that pickle. That coveted pickle in the tree. It was Pickle in the Tree 3, folks. Darren and I were in attendance. And here's what went down. Hey, guys. This is Sue Young. And you're listening to the show that calls it Straight Down the Middle, The Whole Reppin' Show. December 9th in Gainesville, Florida. Darren and I were in attendance for Fest Wrestling's Pickle in the Tree 3. And what a night it was, Darren. It's a night that was Pickle in the Tree 3. I can't believe this is the third pickle we've put in a tree. <laughs> As the professor told us once upon a curia on the drag, it's the motherfucking pickle Aww. in a motherfucking tree. The professor. Why hasn't the professor been back on the card? Well, there's a good reason for that. Hashtag book the professor. <laughs> no, no, and I, I do miss the professor uh, just being uh, involved in the show somehow. I, I think for Pickles, he needs to always be involved. Of course he does. He needs to tell the story every year. I think he needs to tell the story of the pickle in the tree every year for those who uh, are unaware of the whole pickle situation. We didn't get, there was not a, we didn't get a pre-package for this show. We no, didn't get no. an intermission ban. Nothing. So nothing. the very least we could have had 
is uh, an overlong story about a pickle with from more, the professor. With more cursing than any gangster rap album uh, <laughs> you've ever listened to, my friends. You know, the professor, if you're not going to bring him back for pickle, he needs to be managing someone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Oh, man, the professor? Oh, that's great. Uh, if you're looking hard enough, though, you can see the professor lurking around eight oh, seconds. Oh, he's there. He's there, and he wants to inform everyone on why the pickle in the tree uh, is a thing at Christmas time. Uh, so, Fest Wrestling, they did it again, folks. They, uh, they steely danned. <laughs> they did it again. Right. I was going to say they Britney Spears. Turning around. around. Oh, Oops. No. Oops. To, they did it again. I went to someone with actual musical talent. That's uh, true. Zing. Take that, Britney Spears fans. You know who you are. Um, so, Fest Wrestling. I don't think they know who they are anymore. <laughs> That's <laughs> very possible. Did, if they did, I wouldn't claim it. Uh, Fest Wrestling, of course, put on a wonderful show, a very entertaining show, uh, definitely different from the show we'd seen prior, uh, which was the uh, We Are Family 2, which, of course, was just a, an all-day affair, uh, which was to say it wasn't... Uh, I don't want to say too long. It was just a lot to take in on one day, especially if you're, uh, you know, you have to pay close attention because you have to review the show. Well, exactly. <laughs> I mean, right. I think we had this conversation last year. Yeah. I think we had it again this year uh, before the show, right? During the show, after the show, uh, between just us, between us and some other people. It's. It, it goes back to the idea that it's not for us. That show, that one show, is not for us. It is not meant to be to, for someone to stand still for eight hours and watch every minute of that show. It is more in the spirit of the festival itself, where it's right. people coming in and out. Nobody's going to, during Fest uh, in October, the Fest, nobody's going to... Bo Diddley Plaza and standing still for eight hours. Nobody's, we did. Nobody's going to uh, Lucy's or the Hippodrome or the Top, and they're standing there for eight hours without moving. Right. The wrestling is a little different for those of us who attend the fest to watch the wrestling and not necessarily all of the punk rock. We and especially, especially, especially those of us with a wrestling podcast, we're going to stand there. And document every moment of it because right. we want to give these performers uh, their their due. We want to give them all the credit uh, they deserve from performing on such a big stage. But yeah, it's weird to return back to Pickle, and uh, especially without the intermission. This is a short, short, it's not short. Short, but relatively yeah, by short. We are family standards, a, of course. It's a tight show. It, it is It is a tight show. It is a more refined, I will say, show. And also, you're, you're going to have more of the Fest Wrestling family faithful uh, in attendance. Not so much just you know people who are there for a punk rock festival and go, Fest Wrestling, what's that? Uh, well, what's that move called? Well, what, what, what's, what's she doing there? But there, there most certainly was some What's time. my name? What's, who am I? Where am I? What planet is this? Um, which you, you get some of that no matter where you go. But So it, it's it, it's a bit more, I'll say, comfortable because it is not shoulder-to-shoulder uh, smoke puff. <laughs> Cloud of smoke. There was so much cigarette smoke the last time. Uh, anyway, but that, that that's fine. But anyway, um, so it is a more refined, more for the fest faithful. And again, it is it is my starcade as far as fest wrestling is concerned. As I mentioned on the pre-show going into this, 
Um, so I, I quite enjoy Pickle, because it is what brought me to the dance, Darren. You as well, because you were there uh, with me as well. The very yeah, first Pickle. The, the very first time we danced together. The first and last time we saw Heidi Lovelace, who was then defending the oh, Fence Wrestling Championship yeah. belt, and then moved on to, uh, I won't say bigger and better things, but NXT, WWE. Um, so... It was funny, the very next time we did see her was still in Gainesville. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it was just for a different organization entirely. Yeah, pretty much. The WWE. And, I mean, on that, the, 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 the regulars of Fest Wrestling have definitely changed uh, throughout the years. There are people who have been there since the beginning uh, and are more consistent than others, we'll say. Everyone's busy. We're not pointing fingers or asking questions. but So it's interesting to see the lineup, uh, who the new kind of regulars are these days. Uh, again, we've we've really watched this whole fest wrestling thing grow, all but from the beginning. I think we missed two or three shows coming into this whole thing, but um, it's been a great experience. And fest wrestling, once again, and we say it every time, we'll say it again, we'll say it until we're blue in the face. If you have a chance to see fest wrestling, folks, take it. At the very least, go check them out on Pivot Share. Go check them out on YouTube. Um, really impressive stuff. Really great talent. Uh, never falls short of my expectations. A fest wrestling show. Um, and it's just uh, it's just awesome. Go check it out. If you're a fan of wrestling, you can't not be a fan of Fest Wrestling. Yeah, and as far as shows that we missed, we missed two. Yeah. And we had we had been doing our show for about that long. If you if you go if you work backward from when we attended to when we started our show and just were unaware that Fest existed. Right. We actually started at the exact same time. And I think that that's been one thing that we've referenced in a way, not that specifically, that we kind of started at the exact same time. Right. But we've referenced thereabouts several times because yeah, we've talked about sort of the three-headed monster that is the whole reference show, Fest Wrestling and Effie. Right. And how there's such a weird uh, like um, intertwining of those three things uh, that happened about two years ago. And uh, at this point, Effie's the veteran of the three-headed monster because I believe he was wrestling for at least a year uh, before he wrestled at Fest, before we met him and he came on our show the very first time and all that. But it, when you talk about the growth of Fest, it's been great to watch uh, how it's coincided with our own growth, the growth of this podcast. Right, right, right. And the, the, the career trajectory of of Effie, what he's done in Fest and how that has directly led to his exploding in all these other areas, all these other venues and and regions. And that's pretty cool. It is pretty cool that you can't Google our show or Fest Wrestling or Effie without those other two things showing up in the search results. That's a lot of fun. That's that's, a lot of fun. That's pretty cool. Um, And uh, what great company. I will say, between Effie and Fest Wrestling and uh, ourselves as well. Um, and hopefully, if you're tuning in, you are in attendance at Fest Wrestling. And if not, uh, we're going to tell you all about it. I'm sure you're chomping at the bit. You want to know what went down. And let me tell you, folks, a lot went down. Uh, there was a title change, which we will get to. I don't want to spoil it, uh, but it does happen throughout this show. However, the night does begin with some tag team action. Uh, we have Grits. G-R-I-T, taking on the Gym Nasty Boys. And like I said going into this, uh, you better be big, bad, and mean if you're going to make the Gym Nasty Boys look like the good guys. And, and they did. They did. They did. That's the thing about <laughs> Grit. They are big, bad, and mean. They are in your face. Those are some mean, bad men. Those are those. They are tough-looking dudes, man. 
Uh, they got in the face of this one guy. Um, I believe it was uh, TJ Boss got in the face of this guy in the front row at the in the crowd, and I was like, I don't know if I want TJ Boss to get that close to my face. <laughs> I don't think I would be. I don't think I'd be standing there quite as calmly as that one gentleman did. Uh, but it was it was pretty funny. Um, you know, at his biggest, TJ Boss is. Montana Black is that much bigger. Like, he is scary big. And uh, with his very short dreadlocks, uh, these are these are a, a scary tandem. And they and they just they, they dwarf the Gymnasty Boys. The reality is that the Gymnasty Boys are not small guys, but Grit is just that much bigger. And I'm going to go ahead and say this because this is the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. Uh, grit, you're... You're going to have to tell us what that stands for. Yeah. It's grit, G period, R period, I period, T period. And I've already forgotten what I thought I heard. See, now I can't even remember what it was. I thought I heard what R-I-T stood for, but I definitely didn't hear what G stood for. And now I've even forgotten that. So, guys, <laughs> it's not good. Go Google it. You can't. It, it, it doesn't it, say it anywhere. Right, right, right. You do need to clear it up and tell me what the acronym stands for. I do agree with that. Uh, Grit, though, obviously very intimidating. Uh, Gymnasty Boys doing their best to not be intimidated, however. Uh, the match does begin with a little bit of a standoff, and White Mike asks the crowd, traditional tag, or should we just fuck them up? Uh, and they went with just... Attempting to fuck them up. That's uh, some balls on White Mike. I'll say that. Oh, uh, White Mike's got balls for days. I will say that uh, he, he does kind of spit in the face of uh, well anyone uh, who gets in his face. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, Gymnasty Boys uh, they take a beating in this match. It's not pretty. Uh, grit, grit, obviously uh, overpowering them. It's going to blows, and Grit is definitely uh, a team that will go to blows with you. I mean, most of the match seems to be Grit beating up on uh, Timmy Lou Retton. Timmy Lou Retton does, however, rally. Uh, he actually gets Grit in a situation where he's in the ring with Grit, and he flips off one of the members of Grit, and that causes that guy to spear toward Timmy Lou Retton. Timmy Lou Retton, nimble as can be, jumps over the spear, and uh, Grit's teammate spears into the other, which is actually a really, really cool moment there. Uh, Timmy's got, uh, he's doing the cartwheels, which is very awesome in the ring. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, across... The entire length of the ring, two times in a row. Yeah, that's a that's a whole tumbling routine. How is this dude not in the Olympics? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Timmy uh, goes to the well once too often with those cartwheel splashes, though, because I think it was on the third one he gets caught uh, and he gets uh, basically suplexed into the uh, corner turnbuckle and just devastates him, wipes him out. Uh, action spills out of the outside. Frank Gastineau. And uh, Grit's manager actually get into a shoving match on the outside. The Tommy Thomas. The Tommy Thomas. Uh, so that goes down. This does not sit well with uh, Gymnasty Boys, who drag a Tommy Thomas back into the ring. And they're looking to tear him up. White Mike goes up to the top rope to do some uh, some sort of offense against uh, this, this poor manager. However, one of the members of Grit runs in and hits White Mike, causing him to fall off the top rope. He gets his leg caught up in the rope, so he's no help to Timmy Lou Retton, who gets choke slam and power bomb from Grit. A really nice uh, tandem tag team maneuver from Grit, and it's enough to put Timmy Lou Retton away. They get the pin, they get the win. Grit are your winners in this opening match at Fest Wrestling. Wow, it, it wasn't exactly quick, but it seemed easy. 
Yeah. It seemed like easy pickings, like uh, almost like a day off for grit. Like they just steamrolled the gymnasties here. And for all of the intimidation that grit has with their physical presence and their dominating power moves, uh, when Tommy Thomas opens his mouth, there is also a very powerful set of, uh, of of waves emanating from his vocal cords. That dude is scary. He just with, only when he opens his mouth. Otherwise, he's just a dude. He's like Black Bolt. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Marvel character go. Black Bolt. Yes, uh, he is inhuman. He That's is for inhuman, sure. Yeah. When he uh, when he begins yelling at the crowd, I'm like, yes, sir. Whatever you say, the Tommy Thomas. <laughs> of course, to me, he will always be, because I was not uh, privy to PWX, and uh, I was suckered in those first couple of shows where he served only as a referee. Uh-huh. So I'll never see him and not see that moment in which he revealed who he really was, and he wasn't just some new fest wrestling referee, but... <laughs> yeah, was some new fest wrestling manager. <laughs> uh, exactly. Here to, to like, fuck with fests and he's certainly done a good job managing that team of monsters who who's who's really going to stop them Jim Nasty boys are the type of team the high quality team that were your first ever fest wrestling tag team champions and yet like i said before they got steamrolled by grit so who's going to stop grit i don't know if they really set their focus uh on the Tag team titles, they're theirs. Well, the next Easily. best wrestling show is the Battle for the Love Cup. Ooh. So there'll be, there might be a lot of teams. So it's gonna, we're actually going to see if they can steamroll their way through uh, multiple teams Ooh. on the way to the Love Cup. Uh, that'd be interesting to watch. That but, will be. But we're getting ahead of ourselves because the next match was a match between Arya Blake and Savannah Evans. And I know that we talked about this match and we thought how it might be a mismatch. That Savannah Evans is like three Aria Blakes, and Aria Blake probably might be, could be suffering a bit of a hangover from all her uh, really like rousing success over C.J. O'Doyle at the last fest show. Right, but that uh, that train came to a screeching halt because I'm afraid this match went the way that we thought it might with yeah. Savannah Evans being the aggressor. For most of the match, turning Arya Blake uh, as red as her hair, uh, I noticed <laughs> throughout this match. Yeah, right here. Oh, yeah, yeah, Right yeah. here, I'm pointing at my no, face. By the way, he's pointing at his face. I, you got to remember, this is a podcast there. This is not video. This is only audio. Uh, yes. I, I, right here, I'm, I'm pointing to not my here, face. Not here or here so much. But, but right, right here. Exactly. Right here yeah. in the middle of her face, it looked like Savannah Evans had bought up some real estate and had... Stomped a mud hole in it and had walked it dry because Arya Blake looked a fright. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was a little hard to watch, especially when Savannah Evans took the back took took Arya Blake's back heel and hit Arya Blake in the back of the head with it in the turnbuckle. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, yes. I was like, oh my god, she's <laughs> she's doing the you're hitting yourself joke for real. <laughs> except that way, except by making her kick. Herself in the back of her own head. Yeah. Oh my God! I've never seen anything like that. That I turned around because you were standing behind me. Right. At that point, I turned around to look at you because I had to express how flabbergasted I was. <laughs> 
Yeah, so uh, that's I mean, an ass kicking. All the credit in the world for Arya Blake, who uh, she she hung in there the best she could. So no one's no one's questioning Arya Blake's uh, toughness, her durability, her endurance, her, her uh, heart, her heart. I was gonna say uh, she was as red as a heart. Um, she was beaten up by Savannah Evans. So I, I don't I don't know what's next for Arya Blake. Um, I guess all the C.J. O'Doyle stuff is behind her. I feel like maybe she vanquished C.J. O'Doyle, but now she just got to get right back in there and. She's got to win some fights if she wants uh, any chance at that Fest Wrestling Championship, and I guess that's what it's all about. It, well, it certainly is what it's all if about. If you're a singles competitor, of course. C.J. O'Doyle, he better hope she's done with him, because that is so, that is the definition uh, of him being outclassed by Arya Blake uh, in their fans bringing the party weapons match, but uh, this, was a, this was a tale of two Arias. <laughs> The one that fought C.J. O'Doyle and the one that fought Savannah Evans. Savannah Evans looked like a million dollars. Like, oh, yeah. not just did she outsize and outmatch uh, and outclass Arya Blake in this match. She looked like if you'd put her in there with anyone mm-hmm. on this night, she'd have done the same thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I say that because, again, not to take away too much from Arya Blake. She She's riding high on her return to the ring after a long absence because of injury. Savannah Evans just, she flipped the fucking switch that night. She could have been in there against Jason Cade, and she'd have given him a run for his money. Like, this night was a, was a Savannah Evans kind of night. It seemed to me like Aria Blake showed up to pickle three for a wrestling match, and Savannah showed up for a fight. Yeah. And she just beat up on Aria Blake. So and Savannah also looked like she was she'd shown up. Uh, to prove something. Yeah. That's what was written on Savannah's face. And she did. She uh, puts Arya Blake away with a fisherman suplex, and uh, that is it. Don't know if there's more to that story or not. I guess we'll have to uh, find out in February. Uh, let's hope they don't get paired together for the <laughs> for the Battle for the Love Cup. Or maybe. That might be a, a difficult... Uh, maybe there's a newfound respect but for the, the both of them. Who knows? Next up, there's a triple threat match. That we were very excited to see the black sheep Dave Turner taking on Pat Monix and Simon Grimm. And Simon Grimm is the only familiar face to those Fest family, those Fest faithful, those who are not able to travel this great country and take in the independent wrestling scene all over. Although, as we learned from Rich Bokini, you go somewhere else in the country, you find yourself in the old Northwest. In the second city, the Windy City, you might know exactly who the hell Pat Monix is. And if you find yourself in the new Northwest, the Pacific Northwest, you are likely to know all about the Black Sheep. And uh, I tell you what, Black Sheep, he's got he's got a, like a sheep's head or a ram mask, and then black metal makeup underneath, and uh, very broad-chested man. Uh, this was a gnarly looking dude. He looked like a he looked like a willow villain. Is what I he said. It's what I said to RJ, our our friend of the show, who came with us to Fest Wrestling. Oh, he did look like a willow villain. That's out of the way, Peck. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like the one that scars Willow. At the end, yeah, yeah. Pat Monix, did he or did he not look like Edward Norton? <laughs> 
Wow. Um, he looked like Edward Norton and Lance I Storm. Can, I, I, I can see that. Sure, I can see that. I don't, I don't want to back that up. But yeah, I, I guess I can see that, sure. Well, yeah, Pat Monix came out and uh, surprising size to him. I didn't think he was going to be as big as he was. I don't, all three of these guys had very distinctive, very different builds. But all big in their own way. Sure, yes. Pat Monix had a little more height than I was expecting. And he's certainly not some muscle bound like bodybuilder. Is it that long torso? Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, a good uh, cruiserweight or light heavyweight build on Pat Monix. Sure, sure. Um, you know, I'm sure, we, they're all like different, like the mesomorph and the endomorph and the third one, the ectomorph. Ectomorph. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, it's a good thing that there's not they're not a mercurial mesomorph. As Sid Justice was once described oh, as. Oh, Lord. And, um, although, oh, could you imagine if Sid was at Fest Wrestling? <laughs> <laughs> sure, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll entertain that notion. Uh, Pat Monix, real sharp looking gear, good looking guy, young, fit, tall. Uh, he could move, he flew <laughs> through the air. Are we talking air. about myself or Pat Monix right now? Um, we're talking about Pat Monix right oh, now. Oh, okay. I thought we were talking about me. Oh. I thought we were talking about myself. Pat Monix could uh, fly through the air with the greatest of ease. Uh, he also also was, three very different types of wrestling. They, as well. this, this really was, and that actually made this a very interesting match to watch because they all brought something different to the table. I tell you that Simon Grimm really had uh, again, sort of the way I described Savannah Evans from the moment that Simon Grimm came through the curtain, uh, through the moment that he pulls his mask off to reveal himself to the crowd. To really the way he carried himself throughout this match, Simon Graham looked like a man on a mission. I, he looked I, like he showed up to kick ass. Yeah, because I I do think that there was a lot of anticipation for Dave Turner, yeah, the Black Sheep. So I and, and hearing Rich talk about him, I guess on the pre-show that there was a lot of like, oh, Dave Turner, he's he's someone up north, you know what I mean? So Simon Graham was like, no, no, I'm someone from up north. If he's from up north, I don't know. But anyway, but, yeah, <laughs> but you, you know what I'm trying to say, right? He's someone from somewhere. I'm the someone from somewhere. You think of me. Uh, I mean, so <laughs> That's yeah, a good I wrestling was, gimmick, I, right? I had my eye on Simon Grimm, as I always do. I, I, he's a good wrestler. Uh, I wanted to know more about Dave Turner because we, we heard about him from Rich on the pre-show. Uh, Pat Monix, I didn't know much about. I didn't know what to expect, but I was pleasantly surprised because, like I said, all these guys brought something different to the table, and it was a lot of fun to watch. Dave Turner, though, obviously the powerhouse of the three. Sure, but that's not to take anything away from Simon Graham. No, no. Uh, there, There's so much going on with Simon Graham. There is the power, there's the size, there's the, the speed and agility. Um, the ability. And the ability is uh, unmatched. Right. Uh, when he gets down on the mat, when he's out on the hardwood floor, Simon Graham can do anything in or around a professional wrestling ring like this guy needs to be contending for the Fest Championship, right? Uh, I'm sure at some point he will be. I'm just saying, in terms of pure wrestling, I don't know who can beat Simon Graham. Fair enough. So the match is, like I said, very very varied, as it were. Uh, you, you get a lot of power moves from Dave Turner. You get a lot of high-flying, uh, quick agility stuff from Pat Monix. Basically, everyone kind of fits their body type. Uh, I mean, I guess that's to be expected, so f fair enough. But, uh, and Simon Graham, like we've said, kind of a jack-of-all-trades, can kind of wrestle any way you want. Uh, he does have power, he does have size, he does have speed, like I said, he does have uh, the technicality, the technical wrestling down as well. So it's a great match, however, it does end with Simon Graham putting away 
Uh, Pat Monix via a pile driver and a pin. And uh, Simon Grimm is your winner. And if there is a ladder to climb to get a, a non, you know, a ladder not with a pickle on top of it, <laughs> but like a, 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 so to speak, a ladder to climb your way to contendership-wise, to number one contendership for the Fest Wrestling Championship belt, Simon Grimm has got to be climbing it pretty rapidly. He has to be, right? I, I'm pretty sure he's undefeated at Fest at this point. Well, correct me. I could be wrong. I, I did miss a couple of shows, but he's undefeated in my heart. Oh, he's never will contender your heart. Simon Graham is an extraordinary competitor. I look forward to seeing him at each and every fest wrestling show. Uh, push this man. Uh, Hashtag push this man. Well, speaking of push this man, uh, that leads us into a grudge match between two men who uh, I'd love to see them in a singles match for once and. Oddly enough, we're seeing them fight each other, which is very weird to me. Vandal. Oh. Vandal of Awaken, question mark. Taking on Wolf Taylor of Awaken, question mark. There you go. And we're, we're still kind of unclear as to what's going on right now because we feel like uh, this this affiliation can change very, very quickly. Um, so these guys are fighting each other. We all know it went down at uh, We Are Family 2 where Wolf uh, beat the Living Daylights. And the octopusy and the man with the golden gun. <laughs> Vandal. And the spy who loved me. And the spy who loved me. And uh, Honor Madness Secret Service. Um, out and of, the view uh, to a kill. Okay, okay, okay. And uh, he beat up on Vandal and he beat up on Leon Scott as well. Gave Leon Scott a shiner. Um, so we're thinking, uh, Wolf Taylor, does that mean he's still in? Is he out? Is he... Uh, who's, right. Who's still in? Who's still out? Very exactly. We talked about that a lot on our preview show last week. So a lot of speculation going into this, and some questions were answered, but only led to more questions. That's true. However, the match itself was excellent. This, uh. this match had really, really great pacing. Um, like it just went, and it was like... The, 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 there were no there were no slow spots. The, uh, both of them, as far as the wrestling, was totally on. You know, went to the outside. It, it wasn't your typical until toward the end. Uh, it wasn't your typical like. Uh, it wasn't like. How about this spot? Now this spot. Oh, then the, this spot. It was just a good wrestling match. And these two guys, you could tell how pissed off at each other they were. And it, it really shines. It's a grudge match. It's the, it's the it, definition of it a grudge. Absolutely, match. is a grudge match. You know, and I've got to get match. I've got to get away from saying if you look up grudge match in the dictionary, you'll see a picture of them because no one <laughs> no one looks up things in the dictionary. So let me let me rephrase it and say no one owns a dictionary anymore. If we have you, Google now. Well, I have a lot of dictionaries. Yeah, personally. but you're you're a you're a teacher. You're a nerd. You have to have a dictionary. Uh, I also. Uh, like, give me analog or give me death. Oh, Lord. <laughs> uh, that being said, if you wiki, if you wiki... If you wiki, wiki, wiki... No, 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 no. Okay. If you wiki grudge match, you're going to see a videotape of this match. Actually, you're just going to see a video clip of how this match nearly ends. Right. Uh, <laughs> because that... I think I've already seen that that clip from 20 different angles, <laughs> including my own. Right, right. And we'll get to that in a minute. But, no, that's what I'm talking about, about how this is a grudge match. This is the blueprint for how people who hate each other fight each other. Right. This is gnarly from the get-go. Wolf Taylor is furious. He is almost, almost literally foaming in the mouth. This guy, I believe, is a rabid animal, and he wants to rip Vandal 
to shreds. And Vandal, on the other hand, is just pissed. He's just, uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, I don't even know what am I trying to say. Vandal is in complete and utter disbelief that Wolf is behaving this way. Vandal seems to be, he seems to be the ultimate team player. He has stood by Leon Scott through thick and thin. Because he, I guess he believes in Awaken. He believes in the Wasteland. And uh, and yet, for Wolf to do this, Vandal is... He just doesn't understand. And and so he hates Wolf just as much as Wolf hates him. Yeah. Uh, Vandal looking, of course, to tame Wolf Taylor. Uh, could it be done? Remains to be seen because, like I said, this match is pretty nasty and, and again, well-wrestled. And it goes to the outside... And it looks like Wolf may have had a, a plan up his sleeve all along because he goes in search of a couple of stools and a couple of doors. Again, no tables at Fest, but they use doors. Um, and sets up a, a gnarly uh, a gnarly little contraption there. A little setup of, um, of doors on stools. Which... Real quick. Which uh, doesn't stay up for very long because a fan... Who maybe was having a little, maybe his first wrestling match he's ever seen. He's having a little too much fun. Maybe he had a few too many PBRs. I don't know what. Decides to kick the door off the stools, which leads to a whole heaping of trouble. Uh, <laughs> it Vandal, certainly does. Vandal almost kills this fan. Uh, Vandal, the only time I've seen Vandal more upset <laughs> than Wolf Taylor was at the fan. Uh, who insert himself in the match. Vandal kind of gets in this guy's face, and I think Vandal's about to kill this man. Luckily, security kind of intervenes at that point and, and drags the fan away. I believe the fan was escorted out, uh, kicked out of Fest uh, forever. And I think uh, Tony Weinbitter mentioned to us after the show that's like one of two times that has ever happened in the years of operation that Fest Wrestling has been uh, been doing. So, Well, I'll say this much. Vandal's reaction, I have not seen anything like this since the glory days of the Dudley Boys right. in ECW, there was a there was a pause. There was a pause that lasted a, a a mini eternity. I'm standing there right next to the table because when I saw that that's where the action was headed, I ran around the barricade to get in position to watch Wolf and Vandal set these tables up. So I'm standing right there. As Wolf disappears, Vandal's getting to work on that second table. And this guy, and I don't know what came through his head. <laughs> I just see him kind of, he kind of stepped. I, I, oh, man. I, it was, he, he was happy, and he was jovial. And, and he, he just and, takes one step. Yep. Like, and just kicks the underside of the table which knocks it off the stools. Right. And that was, there was a second where Vandal didn't immediately react. Vandal got his back to him. Right. So first of all, he's turning around to see what's happened. But when he sees what happened, I don't know if Vandal for one second thought that this was the WWE and he was in a different place and that there was hordes and hordes of security and I think that he expected, oh, somebody else is going to stop this guy. And then all of a sudden it occurred to Vandal, nobody's going to stop this guy. Right. Everybody's going to stare at this guy in disbelief. I'm the badass wrestler. I'm Vandal Ortegan or right. Ortegun. I have to handle this. 
and boy, did he. Handle it. When he got his hands on that kid, there was a second where I said, oh, fuck, out loud. (laughs) And I think about ten other people did, too, because they were like, I don't think anybody expected him to actually grab the kid. Right. So when he did, and he like... Oh, he shoved him. He shoved him up against the bar in the back of eight seconds. And, and I yeah. thought that this kid's going to to die. Right. And and, and, and I, I will not defend what he did, the, the, the kid, not Vandal. Vandal reacted the way that he probably should. It was very appropriate the way uh, Vandal reacted. Of course it was. The, the, the kid didn't know what he was doing, and he was apologizing profusely to not only Vandal, but also referee Tony, uh, who, who kind of got in his face a little bit, and then especially the security that took him away to the alcove and admonished him, uh, rightly so. Um, and like I said, he was ejected, he was punished for it, but... Uh, both wrestlers were trying to use the, the doors uh, to obviously put one of their the other opponent through. So had this fan knocked it over mid that happening, uh, it could have been really, really nasty. Unintentionally nasty, of course. Um, however, the, the doors do get set up on the tables and both men disappear upstairs and reappear on the outer balcony of the second floor. And it, it's going to blows, it's a slugfest, one of these two men is going to fall into the stack of uh, doors, and surely enough, it is Vandal, oh. who comes crashing down, uh, look like face first, into the doors, and I've, I've seen it from several different angles as well. Um, <laughs> that was a pretty nasty spot, I think Wolf was pretty, uh, pretty happy with himself upstairs. You know, we've seen people come off that balcony, or over the balcony, in different ways, over the years, uh, we've also sat up there, sat at that balcony and watched the show before. Sure, I'm not going over that railing for no, all the tea no, in no. China. No, no, no. When I imagine, I know uh, we actually hang our the whole reference show banner. We have a five foot by five foot vinyl banner that we hang up at the fest wrestling shows. Just leaning over the railing to do that, yeah. I get a little bit of vertigo. I know. Anytime I'm on the second floor and I look out and I think, like, Lance Lude has fallen from here like 90 times and, like, Serpentico has jumped off this. And I'm like, oh, God, why do they do it to themselves? Yes. They do it for us, folks. They do it for us. <laughs> Boy, do they. For- Support your local indie wrestler, for God's sake. For Vandal to take that tumble, that was pretty devastating. He. He crashes through two very hard, solid wooden doors. I mean, these doors, I don't, again, I don't know where the hell they come from, but they must come off buildings that were built like a hundred years ago. These aren't flimsy <laughs> I doors. Think eight Seconds was built a hundred years these ago. These aren't your like... Those restrooms are in, are in horrible disrepair. Yeah, they really are. <laughs> they, they really, really are. But no, this isn't like a door you go buy at Home Depot that's about the size of yourself right. and made out of some sort of crappy material these are like hard wood these are like eight foot tall nine foot tall hard wood doors oak steel doors <laughs> solid oak and steel they cut they cut those they cut those steel oak trees down and i'm just i'm their, just saying i'm just the point is vandal should have been dead no it, just falling onto anything from that height would have been uh painful so seeing him come crashing through two uh doors was was obviously very painful to watch, I can't imagine what Vandal felt like actually going through. Well, to watch Set what doors. it was, and to watch it is 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 stunning. Then to sit there and also think, this is what 
like this is what brothers are doing to each other. Right. This is what former long time teammates are doing. Such a good story. It is. It's a very well told story. And uh, in the end, Wolf basically, since Vandal's pretty much wiped out at this point, uh, Wolf is able to get Vandal back into the ring and, and more or less puts him away shortly after Vandal comes crashing into those doors. Um, but Wolf Taylor is not done. Wolf Taylor gets in the microphone and basically, it's basically a fuck you to everybody, more so a fuck you to Awaken and especially a big fuck you. Uh, to Leon Scott, who at this point has not appeared. No. He did not decide to come out to the ring at all, not even with Vandal, uh, to show any kind of support. So, guys, and again, that, that kind of leads to more questions as to, well, then whose side is Leon on? Right. Um, if he's not even going to come out and support his boy, Vandal. But we certainly know that he that Wolf isn't on Leon's side. No, no, no. Especially with uh, the nasty, horrible things that Wolf had to say. Hey, we're not saying that Leon Scott deserves at least some of the things that Wolf said. Well, one thing Wolf said was the word fuck almost I... as many times as you hear it in the Big Lebowski or <laughs> Scarface. Or Scarface, the non-TBS <laughs> version. Of Scarface. Um, so yeah, he, obviously Wolf very angry. He showed that when he he beat up Vandal, um, and some of that anger being spewed out at Leon Scott. Leon Scott does come out though to uh, reply to Wolf Taylor, and uh, it, it's it's becoming Shakespearean at this point, where Leon looks upon Wolf Taylor as a as a son, you know, that maybe he never had, or and, and Leon maybe sees a bit of himself, a younger version of himself in that Wolf Taylor. We don't know, but Leon's trying to tell Wolf that, no, nah, I, I, I love you. I'm doing this because I love you. Wolf Taylor's not buying it, man. And, and Wolf Taylor, I think, wants to get a piece of Leon Scott. Leon Scott basically refusing to fight Wolf Taylor. I so don't know. I don't know what has to happen. <laughs> I don't know either. I don't know what's going to happen uh, or, or who's going to talk to Tony Weinbender about the situation and, and maybe something's going to happen there. I, I don't know what Tony thinks about the whole thing. But, again, the story is unfolding and it's great. <laughs> it's really uh, it good. is, and I don't know who the hell to cheer for. Oh man! Right? I don't. I can't cheer for you know Leon who's gonna Scott. Win. You know who's going to win? The audience. Ah, <laughs> there you go. So Wolf Taylor does win the match against Vandal again. Super excited to see where this goes, and uh, I guess only a matter of time before we find out where that path does lead. However, the next match is for some gold, ladies and gentlemen. Or should I say, for them grilled cheeses, ladies and gentlemen. You should. You should say the grilled cheeses. Where the Ugly Ducklings put their Fest Tag Team Championship titles on the line. The Ugly Ducklings, of course, being Lance Lude, Rob Kiljoy, and the beloved Coach Mikey. Taking on Monster Squad. Ooh. The team of Billy Brash and the real Joshua Cutshaw. And um, you're real to me if you if your head is in a birdcage. <laughs> no. uh, in a birdcage, also in a, uh, in a, a, a straitjacket, an open straitjacket. You know what he reminded me of with that straitjacket and with that wavy hair? You're not going to know. Okay. But it, it hit me immediately. If you've ever seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Okay. The villains, the weasels. Yeah. There's the super crazy one that's in a straitjacket with the hair flopping around. I immediately thought. That. I wonder if he. I wonder if he knows that. Maybe that's where some of the inspiration comes from. I don't Ooh, know. But also him know. during the match without the straitjacket reminded me of like Daffy Duck. And things do get borderline Looney Tunes uh, in the match. So they do. I wasn't too far off of my observations, Darren. I I, I want to know. Um, what love Again, is? you. I do want to know what love is. Okay. I want to know. <laughs> but I also want to know 
This is along the line of grit, and um, this is so funny because I guarantee you, six months from now, we're going to look back. We're going to be so ridiculously familiar with Monster Squad. We're going to go, remember when we didn't know anything about Monster Squad? Because <laughs> all you have to do is listen to our review of the first pickle in the tree. Oh, yeah, yeah. When we didn't know anything about anyone, and we're like, who are these tech guys? Who, who is tech? And, um, and now, of course, we know tech very, right. very, very well. But... Honestly, we need to know a little bit more about these people. Um, I think that some of these new people, especially the ones that are coming with their sophomore effort or even their third time around, they need to promote themselves to this this niche audience. The Fest audience is not just niche in that it's an indie wrestling audience. It's super extra niche because so much of the Fest family is not even made up of people who watch a lot of wrestling. Absolutely. No, no. So a team we like the need Monster a bit Squad, more story. you need, and I, like, I need to know why. Right, and I'm going to say Fest could do a better job of that, and oh. I'm also going to say the newcomers themselves should do a little bit better job than that. By now, I should know exactly what grit stands for. That's true. By now, I should also know what's up with Monster Squad. Why is that their name? Are are they both monsters? Come, when, when they're standing side by side, Billy Brash does not seem like a monster. He seems like the he normal He seems one. like a normal guy. He's the one that tells you not to hit Cutshaw on the face because you're going to make him really, really mad. So in that respect, what if in what way, if any way, is Billy Brash a monster? How is he a part of this monster Squad, right? It should be monster and normal guy, right? Right. You don't call the lion tamer a lion, right? He's a lion tamer, right? Right. Right. So you know, if a lion tamer and a lion are being billed, you don't bill them as the lions. That that that's actually a pretty good uh, a pretty good comparison there because he is the the lion tamer taming the lion that is Cutshaw. So that being said, there may be an explanation, right? That if I knew what it was wouldn't have to do the speculation we are now doing. Right. So all I'm saying is, if there is an explanation, I'd love to hear it. We need Because to I know. do really like the Monster Squad. I like them as well. We liked them the last time we saw them at Fest. We thought they were great. I thought they were even better this time. But I just need to know why. I, I totally agree with that, Darren. Absolutely. Uh, so we're going to see the Monster Squad in a straight-up uh, tag team versus tag team match, a two-on-two two match, which is nice. And for the first time, I think, ever in Fest Wrestling history, we see an Ugly Ducklings match that has a tag format. Duh, no. Which, no and, way. And that's the thing, is you, you'd think this would slow things down for the Ducks. It does a little bit because... It does a little bit. But it doesn't at the same time. It, it's, it's still fast-paced. It's what still does- high-flying. It's still... Two Cirque du Soleil performers <laughs> in a fucking wrestling match. It doesn't slow either one of them down. It just, they're not both doing it all at the same time. Right, right, right. But Lance Lute and Rob Kiljoy haven't turned down their tempo at all. It's just that we're seeing them operate independently of one another. It's still it's still moonsaults. It's still high-flying, risk-taking uh, dives. Um, Rob Kiljoy executes a textbook missile drop kick. Um, it's just, man, I, 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 I am, again, never not impressed by the Ugly Ducklings. Uh, they, 
They have oh, those Fest Tag sure. Team Championship belts, and it is well-deserved. Um, but again, Monster Squad, that they we talked about this going into it with Rich Bukini in our pre-show. A Monster Squad, of course, having the advantage when it comes to size, and, and that did play a big part uh, in a lot of the match. But for the most part, Killjoy and Lude still just hitting them with that that red pepper, uh, as, as Rich would say. Um, and just plenty to boot. They, they, just a quarter cup. They, they would unload the clip, reload, and get right back at it again because, I mean, again, if you don't have that size, you're going to have to whittle them down with speed. And that's what the LA Ducklings end up doing here with the uh, Duck State device coming out the top rope, Lance Lude, um, taking out Monster Squad. It's the one, two, three. And again, we need to know more about the Monster Squad. I do enjoy the wrestling ability from them. I, they do have ability. Uh, I need to know why they are the way they are. Uh, and the Ducks, ah, all the grilled cheeses, quack, quack, quack. Always nice to see the Ducks and Coach Mikey as well. Yes, grilled cheese plus red pepper equals piquant. <laughs> <laughs> Next up is the namesake match of the show. It is the penultimate match of the evening, and it is one of the highlight matches of the year for Fest Wrestling. That is the Pickle in the Tree match. There's a little baby white Christmas tree hanging upside down from the ceiling. Which sounds sacrilege when you say it that way. And inside of it is a big green pickle with a red Santa hat on it. And whosoever may grab that pickle will get a shot at the Fest Wrestling World Championship anytime, anywhere, any circumstances. And so therefore this thing is about as highly coveted as an object gets in pro wrestling. Uh, the only thing higher in Fest, of course, would be the championship that it gains access to. This is true. Very true. Pickle the Tree match, obviously a big deal and just loaded with talent, uh, including Beastly, C.J. O'Doyle, Jamie Senegal, Saeed Al-Sabah, Serpentico, Darius Lockhart, Diamante, and a mystery person who was supposed to be Joey Ryan. We don't get Joey Ryan, folks. No, we don't. Joey Ryan has been injured, and we've seen him holding up some of his contractual obligations in the form of staring contests with Cody Rhodes, thumb wrestling matches, but there's just no way of getting around uh, a multi-person ladder match when you have a serious uh, injury like Joey Ryan does. So Joey Ryan does not appear. In his stead, however... We get Leva Ryan. We do get Leva Ryan. <laughs> Leva Bates coming out in her very best Joey Ryan getup. Uh, convincingly enough, she had the she had the swagger down. That's for sure. She had it all down. I don't know how she had those trunks. Uh, I feel like she must have asked Joey Ryan to send uh, a pair of his wrestling I gear because. But uh, Leva's like half of Joey Ryan's size, right? Did she sew those in like thirty minutes? She probably did. She's probably a master seamstress by now. I'm telling you, though, don't let her diminutive size, her feminine mystique, or her blue hair fool you. Because with a members-only jacket, some flowery <laughs> tights, and a lovely mustache, this woman transformed herself truly 
into Joey Ryan. Yeah, and I don't want to know what she stuffed her trunks with, but uh, that, of course... Uh, blow pops, for one. Yeah, she had an infinite supply of blow pops <laughs> coming did. out of her trunk. She really did. She really did, and this might be the only time I've ever would have been okay with taking the lollipop from uh, Joey Ryan. Um, even though I'm on a keto diet, so I would have had to have refused it had the had it come to me. Uh, I don't know. That may have been a conflict of interest. I, I would have been in quite a pickle. And what better place to be in one of those? Uh, so Lena Bates uh, rounds out this, this rogue gallery. All people who all want the same thing. They want the pickle in the tree, which again will guarantee you that title shot. At the Fest Wrestling Championship, anytime, place. And it's crazy. It's chaotic. It immediately erupts into a brawl. It goes in the outside. Everyone goes outside. And it's just fists flying. All kinds of shit going down. Hard to keep... And again, that that's the thing with Fest Wrestling is once you have this many people in a match and it goes to the outside and shit's going on everywhere, the good thing is everywhere becomes the front row all of a sudden. The bad thing is you don't see half of what's going on because you just cannot see what's happening. Oh, yeah. You don't even see a quarter of what's going on because yeah. there's so many different uh, front lines. Exactly. Everywhere becomes the front row. I'll tell you what's weird, and I guess we just assume it's a ladder match. I, I You could get the pickle in another way. I guess you could. But you almost forget that it's a ladder match. Because probably 10 minutes go by before anyone grabs the ladder. I was going to say, I think Jamie is the first one to even look up and notice the pickle and be like... Because at that point, I actually had forgotten as well. It was just like, someone pinned someone already. But Jamie looks up like, ah, the pickle, I shall get it. And and goes looking for the ladder, which I don't think Jamie even finds the ladder. I think Jamie's attacked before anything actually happens. So... A ladder doesn't show up until way, way later in the match, um, but no, it, it's it's a great fight, and you see uh, you see a lot of history that has gone down within the match as well, with Darius Lockhart and, and Saeed Al Sabah kind of joining forces momentarily. Dude, uh, that gave me goosebumps. That, that was pretty awesome. Uh, that was really cool that that happened. Um, Serpentico. And uh, Diamante teaming up for a while there. I'm not really sure what that was about, considering Diamante stole Serpentico's match to well, you know, interfere I, in match. I still wouldn't be surprised that when the dust settles on this whole Jason Cade Effie thing, if we don't find out Serpentico had a lot more to do with it than he's let on. Right. You know, but talking about history, the fact that Serpentico and Saif are both in this match trying to get their way back closer to that fest belt that they both had within their grasp just six weeks ago. And then you think about Beastly. He had a he once had a singles match opportunity, shot at that belt when Sue Young held it. Yeah. And uh so it's just wild to think uh, you know, Leva Bates had her even though she's Leva Ryan here, you know <laughs> she had her one on one opportunity at the Fest Wrestling Championship when Effie was champion. So a lot of people here have already come close. They've come really close to that. And they would love that. that second chance, right? Yeah, it's just, it's just, I don't know, it's it's pretty cool. It is very cool. I forget to mention when Diamante came out. I, I think if anyone said fuck you more uh, than, than, than anyone, if anyone out-fuck you'd uh, the performers of Fest Wrestling, it was Diamante. <laughs> she was pretty vulgar. And uh, it, to go from the beloved Angel Rose, who everyone loved and everyone cheered for and everyone felt sorry for when Vandal 
devastated her with a chair and kind of sent her packing for a little while. And to go from that to this, it was just like, man, that that woman's got a really filthy mouth. Uh, <laughs> but and two very strong middle fingers. Very strong middle fingers. Like that was, I'm impressed by the uh, the structure of her of her uh, flipping someone off. But uh, very very cool to see Diamante obviously impact wrestling. Uh, she's doing a lot of cool stuff there as well. So it's cool for her to be at Fest Wrestling, um, and 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 deliver and perform. And there's man, there's a lot of great wrestling. It's it's hard to point out specific spots because there was so much going on. I know eventually presents are brought into the ring. <laughs> That's right. With Jamie Senegal <laughs> unwraps Battleship, unwraps a Battleship, and then. <laughs> accuses someone of seeking the battleship sure. and, and and totally destroys the person with battleship. At one point, someone's fighting with a, a yet unwrapped present, which it, I think it may have been Jamie, and it explodes, and pieces of, of race car track come flying into the audience, which, by the way, Is are that? jagged and painful, and it just totally hit like several people. And I was like, because uh, there's also a broken puzzle in the corner. And it's like, why couldn't the puzzle have exploded and, de- and launched into the crowd? That wouldn't have hurt as much as race car track pieces. I was wondering what that was. Yeah, that was pretty. Uh, that was pretty nasty. I Actually, never... a lot of things randomly fell into the audience that night, and it was a little. Uh, eesh, no one got seriously injured. Uh, but anyway, so that happens. Another, just another layer to this match. Um, <laughs> yeah, all the presents getting used as weapons. Uses weapons, of course. Uh, again, you pointed out to me, uh, like, Fest has, like, six shows a year, and uh, a lot of them are uh, are uh, holiday-themed, and two have to do with Christmas. Yeah, one-third of all Fest wrestling <laughs> shows are Christmas-themed. Right, right, so... That's fine by me. Christmas is pretty great. Tony Webber are getting a lot of mileage out of those Christmas decorations, folks. So. He's gotten a lot of mileage lot out of, mileage. of that Santaman suit that he wears. <laughs> Which, and he wears it so well. Oh, he wears it so you well. You wear it well. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this is just a, a excellent match altogether. It, it gets hardcore. Uh, Saeev gets pile-driven, I believe. Oh, my God. By C.J. O'Doyle from the outside apron onto, I think, a just stack of chairs. I couldn't see what they fell into. All I heard was the sound of metal and, and wood, no, maybe. No, through a table. Okay, through a table. Yeah, yeah. Again, I couldn't see over everyone's heads. Yeah. Threw a table all directly. I was, all I heard was impact. And speaking of impact, that was nasty. When Saeed al came over the top rope and landed, it sucked the air out of the room because it seemed at the time that Saeed landed on his head when he came down. Apparently, I'm told, he was not injured as badly as everyone thought. But, I mean, people were worried about Saeed. Saeed, I think, going into this was the fan favorite. I will say that. He had the most momentum going into the match. There was, you're right. There was, it sucked the air out of the room, and there was a brief delay in which people were overly concerned. But in the big scheme of things, it wasn't that long. Yeah. But it was just long enough for me to think, we haven't seen this at Fest before. Right. No, which is great, which is a good thing. I hope it stays that oh, there way. Are plenty of injuries tonight, folks. But there was a second where it really was silent because people were thinking, "Wait, is this about to stop?" Right. Is this about like even uh, even the referee's response just dug through the pile to get to Saeed to make sure his head wasn't bleeding, which is what a good ref does all on this hardwood floor. But I was standing right there. I mean, I mean, it was. It happened two feet away from me. the 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 sound that scared everyone was actually 
Saif's knees and boots hitting like in rapid succession. So it made four loud clattering sounds, which I think people thought was his head. But isn't that the point, though? Aren't you supposed to think? Y- yes. 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 Uh, absolutely. So I was like, yeah. And then when I realized everybody else was kind of worried, I was like, oh, no. People and almost, then I went, yeah. People almost picked up uh, Saeed, like, like they picked up like, Jesus or something like that, and carry him through the through the crowd like, he's hurt. We must save him. Um, it almost got to that point, but Saeed hopped up and was like, like you know, in his own way. He kicked said, up. He, he kicked up, and, up. And, and all but said, I'm fine. Uh, but everyone was like, yeah! <laughs> so that was really cool. Uh, Leva Bates, of course, as Joey Ryan. Uh, you don't see a Joey Ryan match without seeing some some typical, classic Joey Ryan offense. Uh, and, you mean... Uh... Dick flips, uh, I think basically everyone got dick flipped. Uh, everyone basically sold and took a dick flip uh, from Leva. I'm not sure, uh, she, she must have had like it specially enchanted uh, from Joey Ryan from afar. But it must have been, it must have been uh, uh, blessed by Joey Ryan via Skype or something like that. Because whatever she was packing uh, still had some of that magical ability. I guess uh, I guess Joey Ryan is an Odin. And Leva had the me in her in her trunk. She had something in her trunk. And, and she had to keep uh, adjusting it, which I thought was pretty like a funny. summer sausage. Like there, there, was, there was definitely something there. Well, a lot of speculation, but we'll, we'll kind of let your imagination run wild there, folks. I know that when uh, Leva cornered Jamie Senegal, uh, Jamie said... I've been waiting a long time to do this. <laughs> that so hilarious. that was pretty good. Yeah, I think uh, Serpentico went in for the uh, the, the the chair shot uh, to the to the the lower extremities spot, but to no avail against uh, Leva Ryan. Yeah, Serpentico actually got his mask pulled up and a blow pop shoved in his mouth yeah, for his trouble. And took the super kick as well. Um, again, hats off Leva Bates for her performance as Joey Ryan. It was very good. I won't say, I won't say believable because obviously, you know, Joey Ryan doesn't wear a bra. But uh, it was actually very, very well done. Uh, no shit. I could not believe we did not have a wardrobe malfunction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, this was not a sports bra. <laughs> this was basically Leva saying, here is, here's the female version of what Joey Ryan is doing, which is wearing... Practically nothing. Right. All, I mean, all but the bra, and I would have liked to have seen blue chest hair and a blue mustache. <laughs> it was dead on Joey Ryan. And I like that she took a little time out in the audience and kind of like pretended to be like one of the audience members when things were getting rough on the outside. That was really fun. You know, my only gr- regret from the evening was Leva was in the crowd around us hiding from so much of the, you know, the big flips over the top rope, the huge gang splashes. The spot zone, if you will. Yeah. That I, my only regret was I desperately wish, because I had my phone on the ready trying to grab pictures of all these amazing dives and all these huge suicide spots, if I could have grabbed a selfie of me and Leva hiding in the crowd, that would be a brilliant picture for the collection. I have to say, my only regret from the evening. <laughs> it's quite a regret. Uh, however, a lot of people were regretful they were not the ones that got the pickle from the tree, Darren, but one man did, and that is the child of the eighth day. Saeed Al-Sabah is victorious in this clusterfuck of a match. Uh, highly entertaining, uh, a lot of great wrestling involved, a lot of great hardcore spots as well. 
God, man, that was just such a fun match. I was about to say, by clusterfuck, you mean awesome. Awesome, awesome <laughs> fun match, of course. But, I mean, when you have what, eight people or so uh, in a ladder match, it's going to be crazy to watch. And Pickle in the Tree, that's kind of that's par for the course when it comes to the Pickle in the Tree match. But Saeed Al-Sabah is your winner, folks, which means he can challenge the champion for the title at any point in time. And with that, we move on to that title match, the Fest Wrestling Championship, which is held by, at this time, Jason Cade. The guy with a bad attitude. Bad attitude. Bad attitude, Jason Cade. And he is taking on Effie, the former beloved Fest Wrestling Champion. Effie obviously wants that title back. And this is it. This is a one-on-one for that title. Now, before the match even begins, it is made very, very clear that this match has to be held under, which is foreign to Fest Wrestling, by the way, regular, strict wrestling rules. And why? Because Jason Cade typically feels that he is cheated. So Effie's the one who proposes this. So Effie actually agrees that this is what's going to happen. It's going to be under very strict, regular wrestling rules, which is very funny because typically... You want to say, like, throw the rule book out the window, but this is fest, so the thing that you never do is ask for the rules to actually be in place. Uh, referee Tony is your referee for this match momentarily until Jason Cade decides to remove him from the equation, destroys, levels referee Tony, uh, and basically Jason Cade demands a new referee for the match. He's champion. You can do that, Darren. Frank Gastineau, of course, your replacement. Uh, Frank Gastineau, no stranger to uh, title match refereeing, uh, as he has ref uh, quite a few uh, title matches in the past, not just for Fest, but also for many promotions. Uh, Fest Wrestling just being one of those. Um, so now we have a referee who knows the rules. We have two wrestlers who, this is a grudge match. <laughs> Any match with Jason Cade's a grudge match very easily. We now have Effie versus Jason Cade. Rules are firmly in place. It's not going to go outside. Right. There are countouts now in place. Exactly. They can go out, but they better get back in within rope, 10. Rope breaks are now in place, and we're going to have ourselves a match. And the match begins. And uh, very shortly in the match, Effie hits Jason Cade with the suplex. Because Effie just... I think Luthez presses uh, Jason Cade right out of the gate. It's funny that you even say Luthez. I know you're calling the spot what it is. But I was going to say, Effie is looking like a regular Stanislaw Zabisco. Uh, I mean, you know, he's already got that, you know, that build, that right. daddy build. And then I noticed he had his wrists and knuckles taped. He came in for a fight. And, and to see him working out in the corner while Jason Cade was making his way to the ring, just watching Effie's footwork as well as what he was doing with his hands, I was like... This is a deleted scene from the second Rocky movie, <laughs> or, you know, or this this is like uh, a gotch, not Simon gotch, oh, okay, okay. but some other gotch altogether, maybe a Hackenschmidt. Okay, I was yeah. like, Effie is channeling some some old school wrestling with this with with this style, and like I said uh, to Effie before the show, uh, Jason Cade. You know, some. I guess he's never heard about "be careful what you wish for," because that's what I mean. That, that's what's happening to Jason Cade, and that is that is what happens to Jason Cade. Absolutely. Uh, so Effie, the bell, the bell rings. Uh, open hand fists are totally legal in the, the sport of wrestling, uh, and you get a lot of those uh, courtesy of Effie delivered to Jason Cade. 
So, I mean, it's a wrestling match right out the gate. And Effie came to win. Uh, Effie hits Jason Cade with a suplex. And maybe Jason Cade landed a little off. Not really sure exactly. I didn't see the landing itself. Again, I'm over all these people. I'm very tall. But a couple of tall folks got in front of me. So I did see the legs go up for the suplex. And I saw that the legs came down, obviously. But apparently at this point, Jason Cade was injured. Jason Cade was injured very early on in the match. So uh, this obviously changed things for both men. Jason Cade obviously had to scheme up something different. Because at this point, he is not going to beat Effie in a fight. No way, no how. No, he's not able to put any weight on his foot. He's, his ankle is foobar. Right. So early on, Jason Cade's got to re-strategize immediately. And, and again, he's playing some aspects of Fest Wrestling like a fiddle. So if it comes to scheming and dirty deeds, Jason Cade is no stranger. In fact, Jason Cade, still mobile enough to go outside and retrieve his Fest Wrestling belt, brings it into the ring. Yeah, and we see that, uh, like I said, be careful what you wish for. Uh, Jason Cade wanting a fair fight, uh, wanting a fair referee, wants a match called right down the middle. It might as well, it should have called us. Because uh, <laughs> yes. we're the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. Huh? And uh, as a result of Jason Cade illegally using his belt, uh, his championship belt as a weapon, launching it, at Effie, he gets himself disqualified. Draws the DQ from referee Frank Gastineau. The, re- the the match ended so soon. And at this point, I'm not aware. No one is aware of the extent of Jason Cade's injuries. It just ends abruptly. Like I turn to say something to my buddy RJ. And I turn back and Frank Gastineau was ringing the bell. And I was like, what the hell just happened? Then I, see, I think everybody felt that way. Then I see the evidence of the ring, and I can kind of put it together what happened. So, yeah, the bell gets involved. Uh, Jason K. draws the DQ. Your ring announcer, Charles Volkert, gets in and announces the finish of the match, which is that Effie does win the match. However, Jason K. retains the title, and this is something that Charles needed to explain to the audience because these are wrestling fans, but even, even the casual wrestling fans might not recall that... Uh, the title belt cannot change hands on a disqualification, which is exactly what happened here. Obviously, Jason K. remember that, and I hate to use the expression, but I will. This one time, champion's advantage, uh, he could pull a Mr. Perfect or a Ric Flair and basically get himself disqualified and lose the match, but who cares if he retains the belt? That's all that really matters here. So Jason Cade's devious ways get him to hold on to the belt in spite of his injury. And I think everybody knew that something was rotten in the state of Denmark. They're, they'd barely been out there. They, they'd been, even including their entrances, this, this whole thing had been 10 minutes or less. Right. So, really, everybody's wondering, uh, why is, what's, what's really happening with Jason Cade here? Um, is he milking this? Is this what? What is this? But he's like, visibly hurt, and and Jason Cade obviously went into uh, went into survival mode when he pulled the DQ from Effie. And I, I don't know if that was his intention all along or what, but that is the end result of that match. However, Jason Cade did not take one thing into account, and that is that he or she who holdeth the pickle 
holdeth all the cards. Oh no! And Saeev Al-Sabah cashes in his pickle, his pickle that he had just gotten from the heavens. When that music hit. Oh man. Actually, you know what? It wasn't when the music hit. It was about ten seconds after the music hit. Because I think everybody, even though everybody at Fest loves slash hates all of these people, and they are well aware of what their entrance music is, think everybody was so ready for it to either be Effie's music or Cade's music that played right. as the show was winding up. And everybody was just simply uh, aghast at how short this match was and how Effie was robbed and how Cade appeared to be half dead in the ring. But then there it was. After a solid two or three seconds of Saeed Al-Sabah's music playing, everybody realizes, oh, wait a minute. This is Saeed Al-Sabah's entrance music. And again, I mean, it's it's what you you have to explain to people who don't automatically know, like we automatically know, that, oh no, he won that pickle, which means he can come do this right now. And come do it right now, he does. Come do it right now, he does. Slides to the ring, hits Jason Cade with a little bit of offense. Of course, Jason Cade protesting this whole thing going down. Obviously, he's not ready for this. He is injured already. And Saeed Al-Sabah takes... Jason Cade out, hits the one, two, three, and Woo! we have a new Fest Wrestling Champion, and that happens so fast. All of that happened within five minutes. <laughs> it was like, what did I just witness? Right. What you just witnessed was, before Saeed's music hits, Effie is just ranting. Oh, yeah. He is so mad. He was like, he's a pussy. Is what he is. And he just kept saying that. And, uh, you know, meanwhile, Jason Cade is not moving. Not at all. In the ring, which I was like, if that dude's playing possum, that's some serious possum. That's some serious possum. (laughs) And also, we forget to mention when Saeed comes out, Effie's on his way out. Because Effie has lost. Effie has won the match, but lost the opportunity for the title belt. And there is a there is a moment there is a face off between Effie and Saeed forehead to forehead and Saeed gets a look that says hey man opportunity's knocking I'm going to answer the door and uh, for once does not put someone through a door um, <laughs> so uh, Saeed is your champion Saeed gives a really awesome speech afterwards deservingly so uh, he's gone through a lot of shit to get to where he is but now he's got that belt. And uh, I don't want to say it, it's it's on a more worthy champion. I want to give Jason Cade some credit. Again, ever since he did our show, I look at him in a different light and say, you know what, you're not a total piece of shit. Sometimes you are right. However, Saeed Al-Sabah, to me, can do no wrong. He's definitely worthy of holding that championship title belt. So congratulations, Saeed Al-Sabah, your new Fest Wrestling champion. Uh, very sorry, Jason Cade. Not that you lost him. Okay, with that... I'm very sorry that you are injured, however, and we, of course, here at the whole reference show, wish you a very speedy recovery, because as much as we dislike you and detest you, damn it, we respect you. We want to see you wrestle, of course, and uh, we want to see every wrestler wrestle. Injuries are no joke, folks, for sure. I don't care who you are. That ain't cool. Uh, so what is going to happen at Love is a Battlefield 3? Oh, my goodness. We got a new champion. Uh, we got some awesome tag teams to be in that Love Cup. Uh, tournament, it's going to be awesome. So you folks, if you missed this one, that's okay. Another Fest Wrestling event is just around the corner, coming back to you in February. Keep your eyes glued to Fest Wrestling on Twitter and Instagram. Fest Wrestling, easy to find. And uh, 
get some tickets. They'll be on sale shortly, I am sure. And that was it for Fest Wrestling Pickle and a Tree 3. We do hope you enjoyed our coverage, folks. Did you? Let us know. There are a lot of ways you can let us know. Find us on Twitter at Ref and Show Podcast, R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook, like and share. We would appreciate that. Send us a Gmail if you want to. The whole Ref and Show at gmail.com, T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. Or, or over on Instagram, we are patiently but excitedly waiting for you to come join as we race toward 1,000 followers so come follow come play with us and look at all our great pictures from the past and the present of pro wrestling some from fest wrestling's latest pick on the tree three There's as well always the latest and the greatest as well as the nostalgia trips hey it's the best of both worlds absolutely it is and uh we're gonna catch you next week i hope on the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle that would have to be the whole ref and show i would have to be perry smith And I would have to be the incredible badass that is Darren Beasley. And we're going to see you next week, folks. Until then, take care of yourselves. So long. Bye-bye.